Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi everyone and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, the host of the podcast, and I'm joined by my fellow host, Helen. Hello everybody. And if this is your first time listening, the focus of this podcast is all about helping you to develop the skills you need to succeed in our ever more squiggly, more complex, more interesting, more creative careers. And thank you to everybody who has been sending us in feedback and suggestions for different podcast topics. If you are listening and you thought, oh, there's still something they've not covered in the last 65 episodes (laughs) um, that's nagging away and on your mind, please do let us know because the business that we run together is called Amazing If and our mission is really to make work better for everyone and whether that is a small thing that you think we could talk about that would make your work better or whether that's a really big thing like culture or organisational design there's no topic off limits and actually we'll talk at the end of today's podcast about a kind of extra special one that we've got coming up uh, next week Um, yeah a bit of a teaser so I won't talk about it now but we'll talk about it at the end And today we're focusing on motivation. And I think probably not a bad time of year to focus on work (laughs) and motivation, given January, I think, can go one of two ways. There's probably half people at work at the moment going, right, January, I'm full of motivation. So new year, new me sort of vibes. And everybody's kind of lapping up all of the new year's resolutions and determined to either make change or do something different. And then I do think you kind of have the converse to that of January is quite a long month. It's quite a dark month. People are a bit broke. So not necessarily the cheeriest month of the year. And so never a bad thing just to stop and pause and think about what motivates us and how we can fill up that motivation container that we all have within us. Um, (laughs) This physical container that's like, yeah, well, do you know what? The reason I actually said that. If somebody actually used that, I've done some mental health first aid training. So I'm now officially a mental health first aider, which I would uh, really recommend um, to anyone listening. It was a really good two days. And one of the exercises they do on that program is they talk about something called your stress container. And there's kind of a picture and you have to kind of write in everything that's in your stress container. And then a little picture of a tap. And in the tap, you have to put in all of the things that you have that helps to relieve that stress container which I just really liked as a what do you do to kind of help that stress from not all kind of overflowing and what stops you from maybe turning on that tap um so I'll draw it out would it not be a better visualization if it was a plug 
like rather than a tap, like you put all your stress I mean, in, in the container and then there's maybe a plug? I mean, you're criticising the... the... <laughs> that just because it's not your tool Helen doesn't mean that it's not a good tool I'm just thinking aloud Sarah you know well maybe you have to see it maybe you have to see it for it to work but I liked the idea of it and I might I might draw um yeah maybe yeah that's it it could be my description rather than the actual exercise but I might draw one (laughs) um and perhaps I'll put it on Instagram at the same time as this podcast goes out I found it a really interesting exercise to think about what are all those things, and perhaps if you think about what we're talking about today, that keep you really motivated? What stops you being motivated? And kind of what are things that you can take control of? And within squiggly careers, do you think it makes a difference to motivation, Helen? Do you think it's always been the same? People always have good days, bad days, bad moments, good moments? Well, I think people do have good moments, bad moments, kind of regardless of the careers. We have to talk about the precursor to squiggly careers was almost like staircase careers where they were a lot more predictable, a lot more linear. And I think people had bad days in those careers too. But I think there's probably something slightly different about squiggly careers and motivation. So one of the things that shapes um, squiggly careers is that they're not predictable. There's a lot more change, maybe some opportunities that you thought you might do next might disappear maybe your company's restructuring there's different things happening and so you can't kind of necessarily attach yourself to this definite future and therefore if you're motivated by progression or a certain job and that's not there I think that lack of certainty might affect you if you're kind of very what's my end goal I've got my end goal and then that end goal suddenly isn't there anymore I think also something about squiggly careers is squiggly careers and careers generally are getting a lot longer Um, we're living longer we're going to be working longer the average length of um, work we're going to be doing 47 years and I think when you can't see the end stage if it's not about this early retirement not that I actually talk to that many people who are really driven by that but it's more that it's because no one can afford it a long that's very just really true everyone's like I've just given up on the idea of retirement but (laughs) and I guess that's the point isn't it like we need to have this sustainable level of motivation because we're actually going to be working for quite a long time maybe it's not so much about really really peaky motivation because I'm climbing the ladder and I'm getting to my next job I think squiggly careers are a bit more about sustainable motivation knowing what it looks like for you anchoring to maybe a few different things and not just some definite state that actually might exist because we've got a lot of change going on in our careers and that's the difference in what motivation looks like for careers now versus the the staircase and you know I've actually got as you were talking a really interesting example of that which I'm almost a little bit embarrassed to admit given my advocacy of squiggly careers uh, I spent a lot of time working in very big companies and one of the things that companies still have though it is kind of changing is that often as part of performance reviews you get a rating and that rating could be a description so it might be you're exceeding or you're performing or you're doing okay it can even be and I've worked in these organizations a grade so you're an a b c or d graded person now philosophically I disagree with that as an approach but personally I found it very motivating (laughs) because if you you know if you're quite achievement focused and if you like a badge and something that's very simple and straightforward and that tells you how you're doing it does do a good job of doing that and I remember actually um one of the big companies I've, I worked in quite recently took that away took away that we're going to give you a kind of a grading or a 
particular badge that tells you exactly how you're performing. And I was obviously like, yep, great. I think that's totally the right thing to do. People shouldn't be labelled. But then actually I missed it a little bit initially. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's gone. And actually you've got to recalibrate and reframe, I think, what you're motivated by if you're very used to being slightly more attached to some of those things that are a bit more staircase-like rather than squiggle-like. Yeah, I was talking to a company this week that are moving away from the idea of it's about promotion and much more about it being about progression. And that could be, you know, that that happens in multiple different directions. It's not just about vertical thing. But I think if you're making those kind of changes, like you're getting rid of grades and it's not about promotion, it has to go hand in hand with helping people to understand Mm. where they go to for motivation. Because you can't just take it away because people are like, well, that's the thing that's important to me. You've just taken it away. You sort of have to replace it with some insight for people about okay you know why is that important to you where else can you get it from why are you so attached to these levels and yeah I think they have to be in partnership and so what we thought might be useful to do today talking about motivation is start off by thinking about what gets in the way of our motivation then share some of our personal stories about when we've both felt most and least motivated and then there's actually a lot of theory, a lot of kind of management theory, psychological theory on motivation. So we're going to briefly summarise three of those theories, but specifically talk about for each of those theories, one action that you could take around motivation. So hopefully that feels like we'll get to a kind of some useful, practical outcomes for everybody listening. And so let's start with what gets in the way of our motivation, which I have catchily called our motivation mood hoovers. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Santa> Sarah. <laughs> sorry I, I yeah I, I really like to come up with names for things as Helen will tell you and actually I came up with three categories um so perhaps I'll go through those and then Helen you can see if there's anything else you come up with that gets in the way of our motivation the first thing that struck me was people which sounds really harsh when you say it like that <laughs> but uh, some of you will have heard the description before that people are often either kind of radiators or drains and now I think Being that black or white about things does make me uncomfortable because people are not always radiators or drains and we all have lots of shades of grey and everything in between. But there are, I think, and certainly in my experience, people who can kind of suck the energy and motivation from you. And actually those people do make you feel more demotivated. Now that might be for loads of different reasons in terms of why that person is feeling in that way but if you're somebody who I think feels other people's feelings quite keenly and that's definitely me I definitely kind of have that thing of if there's a sense of kind of negativity with the people I'm spending time with or people are not maybe enjoying what they're doing or not happy I definitely kind of absorb some of that for myself. I think as well as that saying that we talked about before that you are, I actually don't know whether it's proven by research, but it always sticks in my mind that but you're, you're the product of the five people that you spend the most time with. Yeah, um, I like that. So it's I a kind phrase. Of think that, you know, yeah, it, may, it may, does make me think, who are the five people I spend the most time with and what impact are they having on what I think, feel and do? And potentially if some of those people are kind of a bit more mood hoovery, then that is likely to have some kind of impact on you. Yeah, definitely. And actually, the opposite is true. I um, I work more closely with somebody in my team. I've got a new person in my team at, at work at the advertising agency I work in. And he is brilliant. 
And actually, I have felt my motivation improve and increase as a result of working with him because oh, we very nice. share values. I think we kind of motivate each other through the hard times and the good stuff. And so actually, he has had a direct impact, I think, on how motivated I feel day to day, which is amazing, isn't it? What one person I can do. I he's listening. I think, do you know what? <laughs> yes. He's quite a keen bean, so I think he does. So, hello, Matt, if you're listening. <laughs> so that's the first I one. You just call him like Keen Bean from now on. <laughs> yeah, Keen Bean. Second thing that I think can get in the way of your motivation is tasks. So I was reading some of the research around people who don't feel motivated and kind of why that is. And tasks can fall into two things. One that you're not clear what you're actually supposed to be doing. So there's maybe too much ambiguity or you're not clear what the task is or what the task involves. And connected to that Secondly, you're not clear why you're doing it. And sometimes it can kind of be a combination of both. And I guess that combination makes it even worse. You know, sometimes you're going, I'm sitting in this meeting. I don't really know what I'm meant to be doing. I don't really know why I'm in this meeting. I don't know why any of us are in this meeting. You can see how those things can quite quickly (laughs) stack up to feeling like, actually, this doesn't feel like a good use of my time. And that's quite demotivating for people. And then the third area that I came up with was slightly broader than just people or task which is organisational culture or performance. So I think if you're in an organisation where it's not performing well, for lots of reasons that can be, it's maybe you know having a tough month, having a tough year, the industry is or the economy is, that can be quite tough. It can be quite a tough environment to be in. And or if you're in a team that's maybe not happy or in a division that's maybe under a lot of stress and pressure, so you're maybe surrounded by people who generally culturally it doesn't feel like a good place to be even if maybe you're enjoying your role I think that can also be quite a hard thing to stay motivated if you're thinking is the organization going in the right direction is it it going to be okay are the teams and are the people going to be okay even if you personally are quite enjoying what you're doing I think that's a really good point I think probably quite a lot of people might feel like that sometimes because suddenly it feels like you haven't got a lot of control over things and you know Mm. as much as you can sit there like you say and be happy actually you know what's my future the only other thing that I would add Sarah maybe to what you said is tiredness I wonder whether if you are feeling tired maybe you're feeling overworked maybe you're feeling busy whether actually even if you're quite a motivated person it's hard to be motivated if you haven't got the energy for it Um, and maybe that sort of depletes you and so maybe if you've got a job where you've just got too much off you can't you on you can't see like the wood for the trees the idea of being really motivated and excited that might be drowned out by sort of tiredness and exhaustion which gives a I guess the action there is to think about how you can create a bit more of a healthier work life so that you can then build motivation into it and it's maybe a bit unreasonable to think about I can be really busy very tired and maybe a bit stressed and be motivated at the same time. Yeah I think that's a really good observation I I have definitely seen with myself and with other people that there is this tipping point of You could be working on really exciting projects or feel like you're getting to do really good work. But at what point does that tip over into just too much? Just too much work, too much to do, feeling too overwhelmed. And then at that point, I think you then, you know, you get diminishing returns. You just start to lose Yeah, I think we sometimes talk about... um we talk about strain don't we and so stretch can be really motivating because you are progressing developing learning it's challenging it's hard but it's stretch versus the tipping point of strain where it's gone too far and you're back you know as you say diminishing returns that's maybe a way of thinking about it 
for people. So let's be positive now. Now we've talked about our motivation, mood, hoopers. Sorry, everyone. Um, let's talk about where we've both felt really motivated and specifically why, so that hopefully people listening can get a bit of a sense for kind of what it was that we did and what was happening around us that helped us to feel so motivated. Uh, so this is going to be really cheesy, but um, I think that one of the times that I've been most motivated is actually now. So I kind of work on Amazing If full time and I decide by and large obviously I talk to Sarah about it and we're aligned on the broader um, direction and purpose of the business but I decide how I spend my time I work with brilliant clients I get to write the book I have loads of freedom and I'm just super motivated and you know if I reflect at a deeper level on okay so you're feeling really happy that's great Helen but what is it that makes you feel really motivated at the moment to just keep going and for me, it's about keeping going and doing more and feeling excited about what I'm doing. And I think it's that I've got bags of opportunity, opportunity in all different kinds of directions, like this um, an abundance of opportunity. I've got purpose. I'm really, really connected to the work that I do, helping make work better for everybody. So I really feel like I've got that clarity and that's something that we've come to more recently. And I've got lots of accountability. I can see how my work directly connects to that stuff and I think it's having those three things that's making me feel really excited and and then there have been other times in my career that I've been felt really motivated like launching a new business at Virgin when I was at Eon and I was building this team from scratch and if I think about those times too that idea of well there was quite a big opportunity in all those situations I was really connected to what those businesses were trying to achieve so I kind of got the purpose and I could see that my role had a really big impact on how successful those things were going to be. So I think if I think about my career, I can repeatedly see the times that I've been most motivated probably have those themes within them. Yeah, and I think I would be really similar. I was trying to be very specific about a moment in time where I felt really motivated. And this might not sound very glamorous, but it was when I was working on a food (laughs) waste project at Sainsbury's. But actually, I was very connected to the idea of doing a project that could potentially help have a positive impact for people and families in the UK and that genuinely could do a good thing for the environment at the same time. And then specifically within that, it was quite fast-paced, so it was quite a short amount of time to get something launched. We were coming up with everything in a small group of people, all working together very collaboratively, very clear objectives, not very clear outcomes we didn't know what it was all going to look like we were kind of making it up as we went along but I really thrive in that opportunity and environment because I'd got lots of autonomy lots of freedom really high support from uh, both peers and the person I was working for as well as really good challenge you know so I felt like people were challenging because they wanted something to be good and better and people were asking really useful questions And it goes back to that point, doesn't it, around that specific project. That's probably a, let's say, a period of three months. I was so motivated in that three months just because all of your values are so heightened. My values are achievement ideas, learning and variety. And it was like, you know, when you get a perfect storm, that project was a perfect storm of all of those things and being surrounded by other people who I kind of had that same sense of energy from. And we were kind of motivated in that small group together and it felt very tangible. And that, that for me matters because I'm achievement orientated. So I really remember that moment in time. And 
I mean, I would have worked on that project 24-7, which wouldn't have been a good thing because obviously <laughs> I would have tipped over into overwork. I remember at that time, a few people were saying to me, like, wow, you're like working on that a lot. And I was like, yeah, it's because I love it. It's because, you know, it's because I really believe in it. Um, I think I, I believed in it. You hear it when you're talking about it as well. Like way too much, to be honest. You know, when you're just like, this has, gone, this has gone too far. That was a particular moment in time for me. And it helped me to learn a lot, actually, about me at my best. So conversely, then, the times oh. where maybe not, I know, I know, the times we're not Sad felt times. so motivated. We won't spend ages dwelling no. on this because it's probably not going to be the most uplifting thing for you. But I think let's see what we can take out of it. So if I think about one of the times, um, I think it's useful for people to know that careers aren't happy all the time. But one of the times I felt unmotivated, I used to work for Capital One, which was a time in my career that I was really happy. There was loads of good stuff going on there. But towards the end of my role at Capital One, um, the organisation had sort of changed around me. And so that the job that I was doing wasn't the one that I really wanted to be doing anymore the organization was doing really well but I was sort of stranded in this job that wasn't really what I was really really good at I could do it wasn't making me happy and I'd also made the decision to leave but I hadn't found the opportunity that I wanted to move to yet and I think I felt that I was a bit just a bit stuck really I was just waiting and sort of wasting time and waiting for this new better thing that I didn't know when it was going to come Yeah, and just listening to you describe that, perhaps another action that you could have taken in hindsight is perhaps you waited a little bit too long before you were thinking about what's next. So perhaps, you know, you got to the point where you'd actually really enjoy Capital One and because you're enjoying it so much, which is often a trap, if you want to use that word, that we fall into, you don't explore career possibilities because you think, well, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing almost until the point that you're not and then you're ready for the next thing. And if that next thing isn't in your organisation, you're perhaps left feeling like, oh, okay, I'm now a bit stuck and a bit unsure. It's just that feeling of being lost, isn't it, I think? Yeah, I think you're totally right, Sarah. That idea of actually only exploring what you could do in the future when you feel like you want to change is very counter to what we now talk about with lots of people about actually explore things regularly, even when you're happy. It's fine. It might be a a long-term opportunity and it just helps you to understand if it actually really is going to make you happy and maybe understand what your development plan might look like to get there. But I wasn't doing that. I was like, right, I've decided, where's the job? And then you just sat there twiddling your thumbs, not particularly motivated until it magically appears yeah so my examples of where I've not been very motivated almost the opposite to the first example where I was very specific I can identify a few times in my career where I've been in jobs where I felt like a small fish in a very big pond and was left feeling like I didn't matter and that it wouldn't make any difference if I wasn't there the next day and that's not just specific to one organization or necessarily even to big companies I think for me, and I think for most people, whenever you do like employee engagement surveys, there's often a question about, do you understand or do I feel like what I do contributes to the wider team purpose and the wider organisational purpose? And I think I've had a few examples of roles where maybe the role started off and I was interested in the role, but quite quickly I couldn't understand how what I was doing related to anything bigger. And Mm. I think that's particularly a challenge if you are in then a very big company, because then it feels even further away from kind of the reality of the day to day of that business. And, you know, running Amazing If is the exact opposite of that, because we're so small that everything you do, you really know how it makes a difference. (laughs) So that's one of the things I really like about it. Albeit it also leaves you with, I think, more pressure. You know, it's a very kind of different sort of environment. And I don't think it necessarily relates just to big companies, but that does leave you feeling certainly left me feeling quite lonely, 
isolated and just that sense of I don't make any difference and then it's very hard to be motivated and actually I really there's a couple of particular moments in my career where when I had those moments the way I found motivation was going off and doing my own thing you know even if it was like at lunchtime or after work I sort of found lots of other outlets to find meaning and motivation outside of the job albeit ultimately I had to do something about kind of that job whether it was sometimes wait it out look for something kind of slightly different I started to have to get my motivation from other things what I think might be helpful for people listening is obviously you kind of heard us talking about when we've been motivated when we've not motivated and I think if you do that exercise for yourself I think actually you can get out of that quite a lot of useful insight because motivation there's not like a magic stick and we can say these are the five things that motivate everybody generically go do those things actually some of the stuff that Sarah was talking about was quite different to the stuff that motivates me and just reflecting maybe in your career when you've those opportunities and times in your careers when you felt most motivated and the ones when you felt least motivated can maybe help you to have a deeper self-awareness so that you can be a bit more proactive like I now know that I should be exploring my career possibilities so that I don't feel stuck in something if that's not what I want to do or suddenly that happiness goes so I would definitely recommend hopefully listening to us has been interesting but maybe do that exercise for yourself as well and see what insights you can get if you could get to like a three things when I've been happy that have motivated me and three specific things that have been present when I've been unmotivated Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. So, Helen, should we move on then to the three theories and then the three ideas we've got for actions that people can take to improve their motivation and really kind of take control of this for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So we've done um, a bit of research because if you're a regular listener, you know, we like a little bit of research. It's just because we're so interested in stuff that we find all these theories and want to share them with you. And actually motivation, there has been a huge amount of work done on motivation. And Sarah and I have been reading up on this for quite a long time because some of these theories were talked about when we did our degrees in business management quite a long time ago and we've both covered them again on MBAs and we've covered them again on leadership programs so some of these theories have come around a bit and we've picked three that we think are the ones that we can explain really quickly on the podcast so that you don't get bored and also the ones that we think you can take the most action from so the first one comes from a really really interesting guy called Daniel Pink he is interesting because I think a lot of his work is very meaningful around motivation but it's super accessible he's got a really 
good TED talk and the book that is most relevant to motivation is a book that he's done called Drive. Now, the my biggest takeout from the book and from his TED talk is he talks about three principles, basically, of motivation. And he says that all of us have three principles that are behind how motivated we are at work. And that is purpose, mastery and autonomy and the way I think about that is the purpose is can you connect to the why have you got a personal connection to the why of the work that you're doing in terms of mastery it's do you feel confident that you have the skills to do the job and autonomy is do you feel like you have the space and freedom to do the job that you want to do And um, he says that basically, if we can answer yes to all of those, or we can score all of those out of 10, um, then that makes up motivation. We are motivated if we can say yes to all of those three things. And I think that the action very specifically that you can do is you can do that scoring for yourself. So do I feel like I've got purpose? Am I connected to the why? Do I feel like I've got mastery, the skills? And do I feel like I've got autonomy? And if you're lower on any of them, so if the answer is no, or if you maybe score them out of 10 and one of them is sort of lower than five, or something like that I think there are certain actions that you could take so let's say for purpose if you're like no I'm not connected I don't really understand the purpose or I don't believe in the purpose if you don't understand it go and speak to somebody to understand where that business is going so if it was Microsoft for example which was helping every individual organization to achieve more maybe I'd need to go and talk to some of the people about how they relate their work to that purpose and what it means to them so I could see how other people have maybe translated it and if you don't believe in the purpose I think you really need to try really hard because we're all working hard and we're, we're putting a lot of ourselves into work so you really need to try and find some idea of how does the work that I am doing contribute to this bigger purpose so that's the kind of action that you would take the, some of the questions you'd ask around that So on mastery then, if you're feeling like actually you're a bit lower on that one, on mastery, the action for you there is it, is it actually something you think you need to learn? Maybe it's a confidence issue. So maybe you feel unconfident in your skill set, but other people think you're really strong. And in which case that's an opportunity to get feedback. So you can test whether it's a development area, if it's actually something, a confidence thing that you need to sort of work on. Or actually maybe it is that you need to have some skill development. Maybe you need to do some courses or have a mentor or someone who can help you to develop the skills that you need to do your job to the best of your ability and that last one around autonomy maybe that's the area that you're lower that's really about talking to your manager if maybe that's the cause the autonomy about how can you structure your work and have the space to do the work that's best for you so a reflect on that and then be brave enough to go and have that conversation so you can increase your autonomy So the second theory that we're going to talk about is something called expectancy theory. This is really based on the fact that um, a large part of our motivation is about kind of like an outcome orientation, our goal orientation. And the theory says that the extent to which we're motivated by a goal is based on three different things. One, our expectation that there's some kind of reward there if we do this thing. The second is our belief that we are going to get the reward. So if we do the action, if we complete the project, if we do the certain thing, we are going to get that reward. And the third is the value of the reward. So if we have all of those things, we think there is a reward there, we think we're going to get it and we actually value the reward, then that's kind of like the the most motivated you could be about kind of outcomes. Now, the issue with that really in terms of motivation is when 
that outcome is dependent on other things. So let's say it's a pay rise or Sarah talked earlier about grades. We can't always control those outcomes because maybe there's some, I don't know, organisational politics going on which determine whether you're going to get that pay rise or that promotion. And so the action that we suggest you take around outcome orientation, if that can help you to be motivated, is to define those rewards for yourself and to create them. Don't make those rewards dependent on other people. So for example, where I am right now and where Sarah is actually right now, um, we are trying to sustain our motivation to write and finish the book. We are on the last pages of it now, kind of getting all that ready. So what I would do is I might define myself a reward which might be once the book is finally handed over to our publishers I will give myself a reward so I might sort of define that moment in time and then I will also create the reward and that reward might be I'm going to give myself a day off or I'm going to take myself to a spa or whatever it is Um, but the point is you, you define where that reward comes and you create that reward so that you're not dependent on other people and that can be a source of motivation for you. And the last theory we wanted to quickly talk about was it's quite a famous one. It's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. It's one that you might have covered. In short, a guy called Maslow identified that there were five different levels of motivation and that you had to fulfill each one before you could get to the next one. So it's often sometimes drawn as like a staircase or a ladder or steps. And um, the first one is your physiological needs. So that is like you've got enough water, you've got a safe house to live in, those kind of very, very basic needs. The second one is called safety needs. That one's about having food and money and things, the the amount of money that you need. The third one is around social needs, so that's around belonging. The fourth one is called esteem needs and self-respect and self-confidence, but it's called esteem needs. And the last one is about self-actualization, so that's where you kind of get into things like purpose and legacy. And I think the action here for you, if that's a theory that appeals to you, the action here is to think about each of those five stages. We'll put them in a bit more detail on our website. We'll do a blog post so you can see them and, you know, we'll put links as well so you can read a bit more on it. But really the action for you is to think about each of those levels and then define what it looks like for you. So what are your physiological needs? What are your safety needs? What are your esteem needs? Just to make that a bit more specific and give you a little bit of clarity so it's not just like, oh, I feel unmotivated. You can actually think through, okay, well, I need to have that in order to have that and that's kind of where I'm progressing so you know if you want to spend a bit more time on it and go a bit deeper that theory and that action might be something that might work for you and one final thought on motivation that I think is really interesting when we talk about taking accountability and ownership for our own motivation is to listen to the words that you say to yourself whether these are words that are in your head and your kind of own internal monologue or the words that you're saying to other people Helen was telling me actually about a really good quote from, of all people, Margaret Thatcher, which was not what I was expecting. Um, And she talked about, um, (laughs) watch your words for they become your actions. And I think... Yeah, do you want me to read the quote? I really like the quote. um, Watch your thoughts for they become your words. Watch your words for they become your actions. And watch your actions for they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. And watch your character for it becomes your destiny. What we think we become. I mean, it's pretty insightful, isn't it, for Margaret Thatcher? I mean, <laughs> well, you know, she had a big job. But did, I think the, the point there is, yeah, this is about thinking for yourself how you can impact your own motivation, I think, in really small ways. So I was talking about during January, which, you know, is a tough month. Often things like finding small joys within your day 
can keep you motivated and telling yourself it's not so bad that you're having to wake up and it's super early and super dark but actually you're looking forward to that first coffee on the day which clearly for me that's actually a real life example that keeps me motivated and positive for the day ahead and so I think just knowing how much impact how you kind of talk to yourself and how you approach your day and that meeting that maybe you wouldn't necessarily love to be in actually can have a really big impact on how you feel so that's everything for this week quite a long episode I hope you stuck with us until the end and found some really useful actions in both hearing from our stories but also in some of those theories I definitely encourage you to check out all of the um, resources and links as ever you can find us on Instagram we're at amazing if or on Twitter at amazing underscore if and if you do want to get in touch as we said at the top of the um, podcast with ideas you can also email us at get in touch at amazing So as I said, we've got a special episode coming up next week. We have never had a guest before on the Squiggly Career Podcast. It's all about us, which is that egotistical. (laughs) Um, But one of our favourite podcasts is something called Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat, which is um, by a guy called Bruce Daisley. And Bruce uh, works for Twitter in his day job, but also does a lot of stuff around making work better. He definitely kind of shares our mission. And he's got a book coming out called The Joy of Work, which is 30 different actions that everyone can take to kind of enjoy their work even more. And so we thought this was very deserving of our first ever guest. So it's kind of the squiggly career featuring Bruce Daisley, um, which I'm very excited about. So next week, it'll be a slightly different podcast. You'll hear me interviewing Bruce about what he's found through his research and all about kind of the joy of work. So hopefully uh, you'll tune in for that. But for now, thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.